we're going to be talking about a certain word. That certain word is to be subverted, subvert, or subverted. Now, the first place we're going to turn to and read is Lamentations, the third chapter. I think it's very, very interesting how we start here, how we do this. We'll start at verse 22. In Lamentations 3, verse 22, it says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. Now, that was what he was saying towards Israel, even in their backslidden state. But we know we have the sure mercies without any question. When it talks about the sure mercies, we talk about the sure mercies of David in Isaiah Isaiah 55 and verse 3, and in Acts 13 and verse 34. We have the sure mercies of David, obviously, and even more so. More so. But this is what he was saying. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. The Lord is my portion. Says my what? My soul. So what portion should I be given out? The Lord is my portion. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, my self-consciousness. There will I, therefore will I what? Hope in him. I need to hope and hear about something else that doesn't even have anything to do with me? Nonsense. Verse 25, the Lord is good unto them that wait for him. Wait is synonymous with the word trust. Trust goes into proper worship. But you, to proper worship, to have proper worship, you need a proper object. That object is Christ. That's who we fellowship around. It doesn't matter where we're going, who we're with, and what we're doing. That's the issue. I want to make that crystal clear again this morning. The Lord is good unto all them that wait for him. It's very good for us to wait. You'll see that in Psalm 27 and verse 14. You'll see that in Psalm 37 and verse 7. It's good for us to wait because if we don't wait and rest, we're fretting about something. So I need to hear something that would cause me to fret in Psalm 37 and verse 14. No. Psalm 37 verse 7, I should say. Now, here we go. It is good. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that what? Seeks who? Do I need to know something about somebody else? Do I need to? Who should I, who should I offer my complaints to? Who should hear those? Someone that can't do a darn thing about them or God? Especially men, we need to give ourselves to prayer in Acts 6, verse 4, and 1 Timothy 2, and verse 8. What would it be like if instead of rehearsing the likes and dislikes and all these other things, what if we just got together and in 1 Timothy 2, 8, lift up men everywhere, men as opposed to women, men everywhere lifted up holy hands, listen, without wrath and without doubting. Does what I hear, does it cause me to doubt? Should I be hearing what I'm hearing? Is that necessary? Should I be hearing things I shouldn't be hearing? It is good that a man should both hope, notice this, and quietly wait for the deliverance, the salvation of who? Means someone else is going to deliver me if they hear my complaint or hear my thing? 
And, and, you know, and that's called fellowship? That's fellowship? No, it isn't. Quietly wait for the deliverance, the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man, especially young folks. That's why young folks shouldn't be hearing certain things from old folks. It is good for a man that he bear what? The yoke in his youth. Okay? Read Isaiah 40, verse 30. Read Ecclesiastes 12, verse 1. Read Matthew 11, 28 to 30 about the yoke. And you can even read in Galatians, the fifth chapter, about the yoke. He sits alone and keeps silent, keeps silence, because he hath borne it upon him. He puts his mouth in the dust. If so be, there may be hope. And of course, there's no hope there in the dust the physical body and the soul. <laughs> There's no hope there. That's why the psalmist would cry out in Psalm 119, verse 25, my soul, self-conscious self, is cleaving to the dust of my physical body. And instead of being led in my human spirit by the Holy Spirit, the things of Christ, now my self-consciousness is just under the dictatorship of, these, of my body. And when that happens, it's only lust of the flesh. And 1 John 2 and verse 16. He sits alone, keeps silent because he has borne it upon him and he puts his mouth in the dust. The meaning, that's what he speaks from. <laughs> if you want to see what that's saying in particular, read Isaiah the 29th chapter and verses 4 and 5. Read that. You don't want to be a ventriloquist for the atmosphere. And that even goes into certain discussions. We should never be happening. That should never be happening. That's not fellowship. That's nonsense. It's not giving me anything to think with. And again, I'm being very clear by the grace of God. Verse 30, he gives his cheek to him that smites it. He is filled with reproach. We'll get into that word on Friday. He's filled with reproach. Reproach. Interesting. For the Lord will not cast off forever. No, but we need to learn certain things, don't we? How, what are the two ways that we learn? We learn about the flesh, and then we learn in who we are in Christ. Which one is fellowship? Boy, oh boy. Boy, oh boy. For the Lord will not cast off forever, but though he cause grief... He, yet he will have compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. For he does not afflict, he doesn't afflict from his heart. In other words, it's not his heart to do it without any proper good that's involved in it. He didn't do it for just to do it because he hates. Yeah, he just does it. He doesn't what? He does not afflict willingly nor grieve the children of men. But what grieves them? Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupt communication, listen to what this verse says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister what to the hearers? Grace to the hearers. So anything that's outside of grace is what kind of communication? It's corrupt. And grieve not the Holy Spirit. How many times, and boy do I have to learn this, and we all have to learn it, in our own individuality, how many times our conversation must be really grieving 
in Ephesians 4.30, God the Holy Spirit. And if he's grieved, what that means is he can no longer take the things of Christ and continue to show them unto us. But he's grieved. He has to stop that. That's what grieves the Holy Spirit. In our conversations, when we get together, no matter where we are, no matter where we are, are we the body of Christ? Is he there where two or three are gathered in his name? Is it about his name? Or someone else is being brought up? We need definition. We need definition. All of us do. He doesn't do so. He doesn't grieve the children of men to crush under his feet all the prisoners of the earth. A prisoner of the earth is one who's occupied with those earthly things. You can see that in James, the third chapter, start at verse 14, go right down to the end. There's two types of wisdom. Two types. One is real, and it's true, and it's Christ. The other is a lie, it's pride, and it's false. But though he, he will cause grace, he will have compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. For us in Christ, in Hebrews 4, 14 to 16, we have this great high priest. It's merciful, great and high priest. We can go to the throne of mercy, uh, throne of grace and find mercy right in the nick of time. To turn aside the right of a man before the face of the Most High. What's that supposed to mean? How should I interpret that? Well, because sometimes we think we have rights. We think we have the right or even the ability or the preciseness of the Scriptures to be able to talk about certain things. When we're very limited in our own understanding, and maybe we even know certain things, but guess what? If they're not experiential, are they a present reality? And they, of course they couldn't be. So again, here we have this to turn aside the prisoners of the earth, to turn the right of man. Do I have any rights in the flesh? Was it, wasn't that crucified, Romans 6, 1 to 6? Yes. Okay. That's crucified. So should I, should I constantly submit my body in Romans 12, 1 and 2? Why? Because spirit, soul, and body, where is the spirit and soul located right now? In our bodies. So you take 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 23, and then you can take Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and you can have a great correlation about why we should do that and what can be, what can be the other option when we don't. So, to turn aside the right of man before the face of the Most High. What's that mean? He knows us inside out. He knows us better than we know ourselves. Here is verse 36. To subvert a man and his cause, the Lord absolutely does not approve. It does not approve. It doesn't approve. Because who is he that says, and it, will come, and it comes to pass? <laughs> when the Lord commands it not. That goes into conversation, folks. That goes into fellowship. That goes into what I should be saying and what I shouldn't be. No matter where I am, no matter who I'm with, doesn't matter. Publicly, privately, we're the body of Christ, and he's present. If you don't believe me, look in the first chapter of Revelations, and you can start right there in the 13th verse and go right down to the end, and then follow it through in the church's history in Revelations chapters 2 and 3.
Out of the mouth of the Most High proceeds not evil and good? Of course not. Wherefore does a living man complain? Notice that? Complain, murmur. So part of my conversation when I get together with others is I want to I wanna confess to them all the negatives and murmuring, the things I don't like. Oh, gosh. Notice what it says there? That's what it says in the Hebrew. Murmuring. Philippians 2, verse 14. Do some things without murmuring and disputing? No, do all things without murmuring and disputing. A, so does he... Wherefore does a living man murmur? A man for the punishment of his own sins? I mean, living in sin and you murmur because you're living in disobedience and then you murmur and you make it a complaint and you get together and you call it fellowship. (laughs) Wow. Notice what it says. You go to the throne of grace. It means we go to Christ. We don't go to others with our complaints or our likes or our dislikes. Do all things, in Philippians 2, verse 14, without murmuring and disputing. Why? Because look at 12 and 13 of Philippians 2. Work out your own salvation. No, I want someone else to do it, so I'll give them my complaints and maybe they'll help me. Work out your own salvation with a reverence and trembling. For it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And if it's not his good pleasure, what are we going to do? We're going to murmur. And then you know what? We'll have the audacity to say that it's fellowship. (laughs) Well, Lord, help us. Help all of us, right? Subvert, to subvert a man. To subvert a man. Avath. A-V-A-T-H. Avath. What does it mean? Avath. Here, subvert in, in Lamentations 3 and verse 36. It's a primitive root. It means to rest. Did you hear that? means to rest. What does that, how should I understand that now? Can I, without the whole preponderance of the scriptures? I'm going to rest. We really need to listen to these things and not miss them when we're hearing them right now. Here we go in 2 Peter 3. 2 Peter 3. And verse 16. As also in all epistles, his is not in there, but, you know, let's put in there, the epistles that Christ gave to Paul, speaking in them of these things in which some things hard to be understood. We experience that at a particular restaurant on a Saturday in a particular place. And maybe I wasn't aware of what was going on. But by the grace of God, that's why we need to be led. That's why we need to be led, folks. Okay? Especially us younger folks. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things in which some things hard to be understood. They that are what? Unlearned. Unlearned and unable what? Rust, twist, and tear right out of the context as they also do the other scriptures unto their own what? destruction. You therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things, seeing they've been declared to you as you submit to them, you have a proper experience in the protection of God's love. These things before, beware, lest you also be led away. 
very interesting. Saturday was a very interesting time. We were being led away in different directions. And there was amazing purpose in it. Incredible purpose. Not that God wasn't being faithful. It's very interesting in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 13, even if we abide not faithful, he abides faithful. He's not going to deny himself. Not going to do that. Very interesting how that worked. Extremely interesting. You see this. Lest, lest being led away with the error of the wicked, all errors, that, and, uh, all errors and things that we don't understand and then try to, apart from God's order, where do they come from? The wicked one, Satan. Fall from your own steadfastness, but as opposed to that, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be both glory now and forever. Isn't that interesting? I had, I had a precious friend and a precious man say to me, you know, when you were preaching, if only there were certain individuals, they didn't need to speak. They just needed to listen and receive. That's what they did. But because they were the issue, even in the work that God was doing through them, they have something to prove. They have something to prove. Back to the word subvert. It means to rest. Three times this word in the Hebrew, avath, A-V-A-T-H, three times it means pervert. I think we understand that word. Crooked, two times. A bow, bowing it down, one time. To bow down, one time. Falsifying, one time. To overthrow, one time. And perversely, one time. Now, a word that is similar to the word avath, in the Hebrew is hawat, A-V-A-T, and it means to bend, to make crooked, to pervert. The authorized version and the revised version in those two versions, they're similar with the former, the revised version, using such synonyms as what? Subvert to overthrow. Is what I'm hearing does it edify me? Does it build me up? Or is the enemy using it? And I don't care who the individual is. Is it subverting and overthrowing me from intimacy with Christ? Is the topic of the conversation Christ? Should I be hearing certain things that only leaders should be talking about? And again, there are certain things that young people Men that God is raising up need to hear, but they need to hear it in the place where they are. Let me make that crystal clear also. Very clear. Okay? Subvert and overthrow, and it's used only in the intensive conjugations. Very interesting. It's a derivative, that word, awat, is a derivative of awata. A W. W-A-T-A, and it means subversion. Used only here, we see in Lamentations 3 and verse 59. O Lord, you have seen my what? My wrong. Now, do we need to deal with the wrong that we functioned in individually when it didn't come out of my mouth, but it was just between God and I? Yes. Now, when there was a wrong about a certain individual, I heard certain things I never should have heard simply because the person we were discussing wasn't even there. 
Is it a wrong? Should I go to God and then go to the individual? Is there a process? Is there that process in Matthew 18, 15 to 18? Is there that particular process? Is it? Yes. Now, O Lord, you have seen my wrong. Judge you my cause. Judge you. Judge you my cause. Teach me. Show me. Like God's doing this morning. Very clearly. So precise. So precise. Okay. All right. Now in here, this awata subversion is only used here in, in Lamentations 3. In verse 59, where it designates a wrong, notice this, a wrong produced by the deprivation or the leaving out of God's justice. Now, that's Lamentations 3.36 and 59. Now we go to Acts. We're going to go to Acts, the 15th chapter. This is a message that I'm going to say to the men tomorrow where we'll teach things. God will give us things where possibly we won't get them at another place, possibly, at least in that degree. I'm going to suggest to men they need to hear these things with what we're going to hear tomorrow as men. This is Acts 15 and verse 20. For for as much as we have heard that certain went out from us. Did you hear that? They went out from us. Now we can have fellowship together. We can have the word. Then we can go out with other individuals. And then we can go out. Okay, now, come on. Tell me what's really on your heart. Don't you think God's in control of them? Let me, come on, let, you know, come on now. You know me, you know I love you, you know I get, eh, come on. <sighs> Be careful. Be careful. We have heard that certain men went out from us, have troubled you with words. Now what, could I be even troubled with words from a leader? Could I be? Yes, how? Hearing things I should never have, hear, should not have no business hearing. That's why we dealt with certain things on Saturday. Saturday was a good for all of us learning, but that was a good time for God to deal with certain things. And we dealt with them. We dealt with them in the morning at a Starbucks. We didn't deal with them there, but they were dealt with on Sunday. And then on, on Saturday... But those things were dealt with. Because they needed to be, because people would have... Would, have been, potentially, if they weren't, subverted. Certain went out from us, having troubled you with words, subverting your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law to whom we gave what? No such commandment. There's a lot of teaching that goes on about that. It's called covenant theology today. It's called lordship salvation. Multitudes troubled. Multitudes troubled now. The church must go through the tribulation. 
Judaism and Christianity are one thing. Many that were taught certain things, now they hear this stuff and you think it can cause confusion and cause them to be turned upside down, twisted out, and confused. Is God the author of confusion in 1 Corinthians 14, 33? No, he's the author of what? Life and peace. Because he does what? All things in order. In 1 Corinthians 14, 40. And let me tell you, that starts with how to function in a local assembly. And should we function outside of it? When are we not the body of Christ? Should we function outside of that order? If I don't know it, boy, whew, I'll be teaching people some things. They won't be right. Saying you must. Verse 25 of Acts 15. It seemed good unto us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Men that God has raised up, it's all grace, it's all mercy, it's all unconditional love, yes, but men that have hazarded their lives, not just for a handful of years, for the name, and the name means the person and work that Christ alone accomplished, the Lord Jesus Christ. Subverting here is Anna Skuyazo, or Adzo, Okay? Subverting here in Acts 15, verse 24. It's in the sense of reversal. Did you hear that? I'm taught something. I know what is taught. But then, but then, please don't miss it. Don't, catch, don't miss catching it now. I'm serious. Don't miss catching it right now. Because you will miss certain things. I promise you that. Don't miss them now. But... Reversal means I know this is the truth. I was taught, say, for instance, order and about being on time and doing certain things. I was taught this way. Now I'm reversed and taught by conduct, maybe not verbally, that this is okay. This is how we should function. Reversal. There's a reversal here. That's what that word means. Right there. It means reversal, and it means to pack up like all this truth in, in truth, like it was just baggage. You have all this truth and, hey, you know, I got it, but now let's just pack it up and go right away. Go on a journey somewhere else. To pack up baggage, and, and it's by implication and figure, it means to upset. Did what I hear that I shouldn't have heard, did it cause me to be upset? Did it? Did it edify me? Furthermore, did it edify him? If it didn't edify Christ, did it edify me? The enemy is very subtle, by the way. He's very, very subtle. Very subtle. So it means to pack up baggage, and it's like from a military point of view, to dismantle a town. <laughs> the enemy wouldn't want to do that with us, would he? To dismantle a town, to plunder. <laughs> of what? unsettling, or subverting the souls of believers. Isn't that interesting? Believers. That's that in Acts 15 and verse 24. And we're going to do the last two, and we still have time. All this precious truth that God has given us, counsel, loving counsel. So here we are in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14. Of these things, the these things go not just back to chapter 
to the rest of chapter 2 and chapter 1, but they go right into the first epistle of Timothy. Of these things, put them in remembrance. You know what that is? You know what the word, God gives us the word and continuities. He's, he, he's putting sense into our heads. But if I've been subverted, I heard things I shouldn't, and I got nonsense in my head, am I in a place to re, is there room for the sense? No. The nonsense, that's what God's doing this morning. The nonsense is he's moving out to bring back sense in so that we can continue to go forward. And guess what? The purity of fellowship. The purity of fellowship. Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before who? The Lord. That they strive not about words to what? No profit. If it's no profit, is it John 6, 63? The, the flesh profits nothing but the words that I speak unto this spirit in their life. In Romans 7, 18, I know, and this is a Christian speaking, an apostle, I know in me that is in my flesh dwells what? No good things. Is there any profit in it? I don't know. Did what I hear or what I, what I confess that I don't like, is that profit? Or what I miss? Let me tell you, you're not missing anything. I promise you. God promises us, all of us. To strive not about words to no profit. Two, but there should not be there. It's italicized. Does not belong there. No profit is what? To subvert to the subverting of the hearers. In contrast to that, what should I do? Study to show yourself passing the test. Should I hear this? Should I not? Should I be with this person? Should I be not? What's the test? 1 John 4, 1, try the spirits, whether they be of God or not. If they confess Christ, it's about his person and his work, right spirit. If it's not, is it wrong? Well, is it? Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not be what? To be what? Shamed. Did what I, is what I'm hearing and what I shouldn't, is it shame? Yeah, I mean, is there any shame in who we are in Christ? In Hebrews 2, 11 and 12? No. So anything outside of Christ would bring shame? Yes. Yes. We're here, we deal with things here. That's it. And someone else that's not here shouldn't. any more that I should deal personally with people's personal lives that are in another location. I don't do that. That shouldn't be done. That will be used by the enemy to subvert. I want to make that crystal clear too. Study to show yourself approved. And to God, a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. What's that mean? I shouldn't be hearing this. I'm not going to. Sorry. Well, I don't want to offend the person, so I'll let them say it. No. No. Stop. Sorry. I love you. No. Can't do it. Nope. If I should listen to something that should cause me shame, would that be me loving them and them loving me? You think I should do it? 
what, shame Christ so you don't shame somebody else? Now, come on, flesh is flesh. And there's a way to deal with that too, though, by the way. It's not just everyone's place to do that too, by the way. Rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings. Ah, I can get together, you know. Well, she said this, and, you know, I corrected her. You know, maybe she didn't think she was, oh, be quiet. Especially if it's someone I know and love deeply. Hmm. But shun, have nothing to do with profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat as does a canker, like cancer, like a leaven. Of whom is Hymenius and Philetus? Who concerning the truth, does that have to do with Christ? Any shame there? The truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow, subvert, the faith, the dependence of others. Don't depend on Christ in your own individuality through the words that you taught. To have to go to someone else and depend on them. <laughs> Let's have none of that. Okay? 2 Timothy 2, like we read in verse 14. The Greek word there is catastrophe. Oh, Lord. That's what it is. It's spelled K-A-T-A-S-T-R-O-P-H-E. Catastrophe. This is where we get our English word, a catastrophe. Here's a person, they're receiving truth, they're going on in life, yeah? then things are brought up that they should never hear, and what happens? Everything just becomes like a catastrophe now. A catastrophe. That word here in the Greek, in 2 Timothy 2, verse 14, it means demolition. Does the thief, what does the thief come to do? Steal your fellowship away. To kill your capacity. To destroy you. All based upon what you hear. Remember those verses in Mark 4, 24, Luke 8, 18, and James 1, 19. All the way down to the 27th verse. See, we're being... We're being specific with the Christians. We're not just giving little stories and, oh, this is nice and all that. No, we're giving the Word of God specifically the way it should be given. Don't need anything else added to it. Subverting the souls. Demolition. Figuratively, it means an apostasy. I'm being led away by the spirit of error. You see that in 2 Thessalon Thessalonians chapter 2. Look at verses 1 through 11. To overthrow one time, subverting one time, literally a turning down. My view should be Christ and him alone. Turn him down. Turn your view down. Look at your circumstances. Look at your situations. Look at your finances. Look at your job. Look at everything but him. No, Hebrews 12, 2. Looking away from all that would distract. Would that include conversation I shouldn't be hearing? Look away from all that would distract unto Jesus in Hebrews 12, 2. Because he's our leader in 12, 3 and 4. Very interesting. 
Very, very interesting. 752, and we're having fun. We're having joy, I should say. Turning down. That word, catastrophe, is from the Greek word kata, which means down. Strophe means a turning. Literally, in 1 Peter 2.6, it means to, it's an overthrow of like cities where people occupy. They're in their occupation. All of a sudden, some, all of a sudden something comes in and, and, and overturns their whole life. Their whole view of things. And now they got to be in a better place. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> mm. No, thank you. Mm-mm. Not interested in the least. 2 Timothy 2, verse 14, again, subverting the overthrowing of absolute faith dependence on Christ. Now, here's the word in the 1828 dictionary, and we're almost done, so. Stay with our thoughts and our availability. Subvert the 1828 dictionary to overthrow from the foundation. Who's our foundation? Matthew 16, 18, 1 Corinthians 3, 10, and 11. If the foundations be removed or moved, what will the righteous do in Psalm 11 and verse 3? To overflow from the foundation. Now, is what I'm hearing foundational truth in Christ, or am I starting to go on someone else's sand? In Matthew 7, 24 to 27, is what they're communicating to me, is it sand? And I'm going to try and build on that and call it fellowship. Being very precise, God is with us all. Subvert, 1828, to overturn, to ruin utterly. Listen to this. He, that individual, I don't care who it is, is the worst enemy of man who endeavors to subvert a Christian's foundation. Their faith in Christ alone. The elevation of corrupt men to office will slowly but surely subvert a Republican government. You know, our country wasn't found on a democracy. It was founded on a republic. Very interesting what's happening, isn't it, in our country? And we're not going to go into it. Now, again, this word subvert, this word subvert, the, it has to do with the principles, look up the word principle, the principles of knowledge. To corrupt, to confound, to pervert the mind and turn it from the truth. And you know what? You know why Paul said, I commend you to God and the word of his grace in Acts 32? Did he commend them to himself? Did he? Is he preaching, the, is he preaching Christ? Is the counsel of the word? Or are you, is he getting you to commend yourself to him? Acts 20, 32, I commend you to God and the word of his grace that's able to build you up and to, to give you an inheritance among all those that have been sanctified, set apart, not only positionally but experientially, from hearing wrong things, set apart, hearing right things. Men fail in truth. I don't care who it is. I will be the first to tell you right now, this morning, I have failed in truth. But Christ, God, his love, never does. That's why we preach Christ. That's why it's Christ. 
And then finally we have in, in Titus 1 and 11, you're going to see that word subvert again, and it's anatrepho. It's from ana, which means up, and, but by extension, it's used distributively. Did you hear that? Who distributes this subversion? Where does that come from? It comes from the enemy. It's used distributively and severally. <laughs> In compounds and as a prefix, it often means, by implication, repetition. We need to be so careful what we hear, what we think fellowship is. It means repetition, intensity, reversal. All of a sudden, things were great. Now, why aren't they? What happened? Reversal. Then it's made up of that Greek word trope, which is, is trepo. It means to turn. It is like the revolving of a planet. A revolution, figuratively, it means variation. What's that mean? James 1, 17, variation. What does that mean? Every good gift and every perfect gift, complete gift, comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. We see that very clearly. And as we continue to wrap this up, it means turning one time, and this word, anatrepo, trepho. This compound means to overturn figuratively, to overthrow, subvert. Literally means to turn up and over. Ana, up, trefo, down. To turn you upside down, make your whole thing like, oh my God, what am I missing? <laughs> Nothing. To upset, to, to overthrow, again we see it in 2 Timothy 2 verse eight, 18. Last verse in Titus 3.11. Subverted is ek. Strefo, or extrefuo, ek, out. From ek, origin, out, out of. The point when motion or action proceeds. Oh, boy. And from out, which means out, and strefo, to twist. To turn quite around, or reverse, literally or figuratively, to pervert. Boy, we need to be careful how we hear. Be careful what we hear, how we hear, and to be more ready to hear. And when should not, that not, when should Christ not be the topic of our conversation? Seeing how we're citizens of him. Are we, is the church citizens of heaven? Why is so much conversation about what happens on the earth? Boy, if you're a Christian and you want some word, well, I, you almost want to almost completely, almost stay off of Facebook. So in Jesus' name, Father, thank you for the word. Thank you for your love for us. And this is loving counsel to those that are all of us when we are entreatable and when we choose to be accountable to Christ. In Jesus' name, Father, thank you. Amen.